1: Hi, this is Arjun. It's always a pleasure to speak to incredible leaders from different walks of life, primarily because what I've learned, that our individual journeys are different, our starting points are different, our destinations are different, and even the paths each of us choose is kind of different. So today, it's really exciting and I'm personally very fortunate to talk to Mark Mears, who I've known for nearly 30 plus years. So don't try to guess my age, so I'm really good. (laughs) But what was incredible before this discussion was Mark and myself, we were reflecting a little bit about our journey together and things Mark had worked on and brought to life in a big way during his work Pizza Hut and I was fortunate to start my career working with Mark and other cool, amazing professionals during those days. I remember each of these work its impact vividly. 30 years is very important. With age, we don't remember a lot of things and having that kind of impact, I really think is important because as I start reading Mark Meers' bio, it's not where he has been, but the impact he has made is very important. Mark Mears is a visionary business leader with significant track record of building shareholder value by driving innovation and profitable growth among world-class, high-profile brands. Mark possesses unique and diverse background in building growth brands such as PepsiCo, Pizza Hut, McDonald's, Frito-Lay, JCPenney, NBC Universal, among others. Mark also has held executive leadership roles, including SVP Chief Marketing Officer for the Cheesecake Factory. EVP, Chief Marketing Officer for Noodles & Company, and President, Chief Concept Officer for Mimi's Cafe. Welcome to Secrets to Win Big, Mark. Truly a
0: pleasure. Thank you, Arjun. It's really uh, so exciting for me to come back and 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 have a chance to chat with you and uh, reconnect. And I'm just so honored to be on your podcast. I know you've just passed over 100, which means clearly there's 100 people in front of me that um uh, were uh, a lot uh, more exciting and, and entertaining and, and uh, thoughtful and insightful. So I have my work cut out for me today, but I'm really proud to be with you. Or Mark, it could be perceived
1: as the other way around too—that I had to practice with 100 plus before I got ready to interview Mark.
0: That's so, a growth mindset. I like that okay. versus a fixed mindset. Very, very clever. I like that. Thank you. So Mark,
1: you know, if you look at each one of these. Brands, each one of these itself would have been amazing accomplishments. PepsiCo, McDonald's, Frito Lay, you know, all these. When you look at the common thread, what is the common thread in each one of these incredible high impact roles that made you win big every time?
0: Well, I, I, um, I appreciate your, your kind words and your glowing introduction. And, uh, you know, I've thought a lot about this, uh, and and I don't know, I've been endowed with a gift to have visionary thinking, and I allow myself to open my mind to see patterns and possibilities that others may not see, or connecting dots where others may not even see dots, and that's a great starting place, but I believe the quote is attributed to Thomas Edison, and he says, vision without execution is nothing more than hallucination." So the ability to then take vision and execute it, uh, not only flawlessly, but to extend it across all touch points to take a more objective based approach to measurement and then leave people feeling something uh, on a deeper, more emotional basis than merely a rational one. So if you think about some of the, great brands that I've been honored to work with. Let me give you a couple examples. Um, for example, we were talking about uh, Pizza Hut and the ability to uh, use promotion to take what is a uh, dining experience and then make it more special. And whether that is, you know, the Land Before Time dinosaur hand puppets or the NCA basketballs that uh, helped take March and turn it into one of our biggest sales months of the year by linking to March Madness, uh, the pizza eating experience. Uh, Looking at JCPenney, and and instead of a holiday sale, um, created this idea of unwrap the magic. And it was let JCPenney help unwrap the magic for you and your family this holiday season. see the difference? And so we tied in with Disney and it created these little mini snow globes that we wrapped up as a little gift. We had all of our sales associates wearing these little elf hats with these big elf ears standing at the door on Black Friday, welcoming customers in the door uh, and giving them their first gift of the season, a free Disney mini snow globe that had different characters. And it was the start of this idea of unwrapping the magic. For our customers and getting our sales associates involved in doing so and training them, that it's more than just pointing uh, to a section of, if a customer had a question of where something was, it was, how can I help you unwrap the magic for you and your family this holiday season? See the difference? How do you feel as a result of that versus I've got my circular with all these Black Friday doorbuster deals, and I'm just going to come in and buy as much as I can on sale. You see the difference? You're That's planting cool. the seed in someone's mind so that they feel something as a result of your interaction. And that was just uh, just a couple of, of those ideas of connecting dots. People need to shop. People need to save money, but there's ways that you can connect those dots to where they feel they're unwrapping magic. And, and that was probably a. Uh, a good example to kind of get at the, the connective tissue or that thread that's woven among all those different brand experiences.
1: Yeah. So, what I really like is usually Black Friday is a one dimensional day where we are all looking at what we can get cheaper than anybody else or anywhere else. There's usually the experience of Black Friday is all about finding the deal, not the quality of an experience. What you did was the first gift that I get. And second is, many a time, we, the so-called marketing folks, create these big ideas, but then they are implemented really poorly because we don't get the team members excited. And as you were talking about, JCPenney team members sitting, uh, sorry, standing outside and just greeting people and giving them the gift. I really think that it really changes Black Friday, the mindset to totally different. Now, Mark, here's a follow-up question. You are not the first person to make a deal with Disney and one of the top retail brands, but you saw an opportunity that nobody else saw before So how do you see opportunities like this that creates and makes the guest feel, wow, I've never felt this way before?
0: Well, I've had the good fortune to be able to work with um, sports and entertainment uh, properties. And I see the value that they can add to a brand, uh, product or service. And and so another example would have been working on the Frito-Lay business. They also wanted a big holiday promotion. Well, linking back to my days at Pizza Hut working with um, Hollywood Studios, uh, there was a sleepy little movie at the time from a off brand called Pixar. You may remember it, it's called Toy Story. Well, the only uh, major brand out there doing a partnership with Toy Story was Burger King and nobody else would touch it because it was kind of this new kind of uh, computer animation. It Mm -hmm. wasn't what we were used to with Disney. And so there was a bit of a risk. And so I had the idea working with my team to come up with this idea why don't we take each of the Frito-Lay brands and assign a character from the movie so there was Buzz Lightyear on one brand, there was Woody on another, there was Bo Peep on another. Uh, there was all the different characters, right? And so we did this huge holiday display and anybody who has worked in package goods knows that uh, if you can get um, a main display right as you walk in the door, that's even better than an end cap, right? So the idea was to create this huge magical holiday display with all of the Frito-Lay products and all the Toy Story characters and using all of the different uh, images from the movie to then make the shopper feel like they're doing more than just buying a snack, right? Or, you know, traditional Santa type holiday stuff. This was a way to tap into a holiday movie that then had its own flywheel moving forward and then assigned the Respective free to lay brands to it, so it is that end goal. To yes, we want to move uh, pounds of product, right? We're in the business to make money, but but the way we go about it can be so different than again merely discounting and 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 doing you know dealer loaders or whatnot to get displays. It was adding value also to our grocery partners. We were bringing them the world of Hollywood and Toy Story into their stores. And so it was a reciprocal relationship that allowed us to accomplish our business objectives while making our uh, account partners really happy, and then making our guests feel like they were getting something special from Free Delay versus what they might've gotten from somebody else.
1: And so building on that, I want to go back to Pizza Hut days, which I hold very nostalgic because mm-hmm. that's the way my career started. You know, let's talk about a movie that most of us have forgotten, Rocketeer. And the thing that I remember, and the year has to be close to 1992, 91, maybe somewhere there, I could be wrong, but Ballpark. Now you're aging me. (laughs) What is unique was, even today, I remember the beverage cup of Rocketeer, The Lid. Mark, we all have seen Successful Hollywood movie partnerships. Most of the time it's the cup, but I have never seen any brand based on my experience invest so much into creating a cup lid, which in my mind, and I grew up with daughter, you know, with my daughter, and we had amazing Disney connections, like that always stood out. So creating and awareness that stands out over time is a big deal. So what's the thought process that's went into to create something bigger than what most of us would have already gotten A for, but you aim for, and a
0: team, aim for a grade higher than A? Well, I appreciate that. And that was a fun project to work on. But you said the word create or creative uh, probably three or four times in your question. And I think that's the right word. I've always been taught um, that creativity is taking two possibly unrelated ideas and melding them together to create one big idea or one new idea, right? Um, The world will judge whether it's big or not. But in that case, you have a cup, a functional need for a child who ordered a kid's pizza pack, which was our kid's meal at the time, Um, but also tying in with the movie and then making the lid three-dimensional, that was the first time I'd ever seen. And we've all seen crazy straws or uh, even color change straws. And so that wasn't a new wrinkle. But the notion of of doing a custom three-dimensional lid that looked like the helmet of the Rocketeer and the rest of the artwork on the cup looked like the face, to a kid, you're feeling like you're drinking something really special, right? But what that did was created a new industry. That's when, you know, an idea goes from being a novelty to a big idea, because later we did three-dimensional Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle lids in the shape of the four different characters. Later, uh, with a different company, we did the Star Wars character cup lids that were three-dimensional with the arms moving, and they fit on top of the cup, and we sold millions of those, because now you're bringing the functional with the emotional, and you're tying them together in a fresh new way that creates an experience that makes you feel special and unique. And it takes your brand to a new and higher level uh, than just a commodity.
1: And you know, Mark, I have to disagree a little bit with you on one area. It's not children. Me as an adult, when I held that cup, I felt it should have a disclaimer that Arjun, by holding this, you can't take off and be a rocketeer. Like to me, I really feel that that had an appeal where those days, you know, my baby was born in 93, so she was not relevant. But if I had a little baby, I would be worried about, like I would make sure that she, he or she took care of the cup because I would have seen value in it. And that was something that is brilliant. So Mark, as you said something about the Teenage Mut- uh, Mutant Ninja Turtles. I'll just throw a
0: trivia at you. Name the four turtles alphabetically. Oh, alphabetically. I'm I'm hoping I can even name all four. There was Michelangelo, Donatello, um, Raphael, and uh, oh, come Leonardo. on, Leonardo. 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 I got it. Yeah. Awesome. um I just thanks for to... a little help there i i, I was right on the tip of my tongue but yes um i lived that and what was cool is that we took uh, um a, the, the the live show of the movie so the movie came out and then it created a live show that traveled uh to different arenas all over the country 50 some different arenas and then we could have just done something like that but we said you know what's never been done is is is, is Put, setting them to music mm-hmm. and so uh, literally they formed this band and I was in production studios in both LA and New York working with musicians who were cutting these songs that would then go on back then it was a cassette tape but it was a new and different way to experience the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles than had we just done a uh, artwork on a cup right so the, the, the thought is always Trying to stretch the boundaries to go into a different form than others may, may feel comfortable or taking a risk doing. And, you know, uh, it was, it was a it was a lot of fun, and we sold a lot of tapes, and we again made a lot of kids happy. Um, the, the thing that I loved about Pizza Hut working there and having then later worked on McDonald's business at Lero Burnett is. Um, The the idea of of appealing to kids and getting them uh, excited about something and, and, you know, we created the kids pizza pack because a pizza, you know, from our research, uh, you were instrumental in our research department, you know, pizza is kids' favorite food. And it has been and probably still if you took a poll today would be kids' favorite food. But we knew McDonald's was their favorite place to go. Why? Well, they had Happy Meal. Kids got a toy with their burger and fry and drink, right? So we thought if we combined the two together in a very unique way, we created the kids pizza pack and it had a themed package. It had a drink vessel that had something unique to it and then some other kind of activity Uh, because I I always believe that instead of just some plastic toy you can play with for five seconds and throw in the back of the car on your way home, the idea was to stretch the imagination of kids and get them to learn something. Um, maybe something pro-social, maybe something educational. Um, it, it, it really is something that I felt like we did very, very well at Pizza Hut. And if you remember, we also had the, the, the Book It program where <laughs> we we're helping you know schools educate our kids and get them to wanna read. And when they did, they got a chance to come to Pizza Hut and the manager would come out and make a big fuss over them with their parents glowing with pride and their baby sister wondering why they, um, they they're not getting the same attention. Um, and the kid got a certificate and then they got a free personal pan pizza. And what a great feeling for that family to share over a meal versus just sustenance and a way to save an appetite.
1: Yeah, and, you know, as you were talking about Book It, of course, you know, it was launched. There were incredible amount of leaders who worked on it. But a name that jumped to my mind at a later time, she took over and really moved the Book It program forward was Carmen Lemon, an amazing person. I just, her passion and energy. And oh, that's the part where. Right
0: upper room. Carmen Lemon was just just a ball of energy and always positive. And yeah, I, I remember her fondly
1: and absolutely and that to me is and to me that's the part where i really feel lucky to be to start my career with not only individuals who were brilliant but who also had amazing positivity each one of them as they were trying to excel beyond anything they also had a time to help everybody else in the team because i really feel that having that blend of true, you know, that blend of amazing talent but amazing team camaraderie of building together becomes huge. So here's a follow-up question. Thus far we talked about all the big successes, but we know that there are times, you know, all of us have some strikeouts. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the big challenges in the corporate world But more importantly, how did you not let them define you and you you overcame them?
0: Well, first of all, um, I've had several, um, I won't call them failures, because for me, the word failure, and as we talked about before we got started this morning, is I believe words matter. Failure to me is is only uh, final if you allow it to be. If you learn something from Something that didn't go as planned, then you've got some value out of it to take forward into a next venture that may be somewhat similar, and you'll remember that. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like building, you know, kind of muscle memory, right? So I've had plenty of uh, projects that let's just say didn't go as planned. But for me, and I remember a certain project, um, which will go nameless. Um that uh, I was directly involved in, but it was an idea from much higher up and it did not work. And the gentleman that was at the time my leader uh, I don't like the word boss because, uh, as you remember, John Locke was truly a leader. Mm-hmm. He got promoted. And within the PepsiCo world, getting promoted is a big deal. And that's when uh, PepsiCo still owned Pizza Hut before it was spun off uh, into Tricon and then uh, later Young Brands. And so The thought is being able to take a risk and being able to sell in ideas that make people uncomfortable. I've always said when when I get an idea or I'm working on a team project and we come together on something and it just literally I have have a, a kind of royal in my gut. That's when I know we should go forward. Because if you just take the comfortable way out, and, and we had a, a, a phrase back in the day, we called it step function change growth. That's not creeping incremental growth. Anyone can do that. Step function change growth is changing a paradigm and, and creating a new plateau and then building off that into another higher one and always making big leaps forward. Well, you can't do that if you play it safe. Um, and I, I, uh, I've always you know uh, believed in, in trying to uh, make big leaps because life's too short. We get one shot at this. And so uh, having passion behind an idea is great. It'll take you only so far. You gotta have the numbers to back it up. But I also believe in the 80% right rule. And that is, you gotta make a decision with 80% of the information. And, And time will tell if it's right. But if you wait for 100% that will probably never come, you may miss a huge opportunity. We could have debated um, and and done research on top of research on top of research to see whether or not we should have done X, Y, or Z. Uh, But the fact that we said, you know what? We've got enough information to believe this is gonna work, let's go forward. And then having the ability to, uh, if it doesn't uh, hit projections, learn from it. Don't blame, say, what did we learn from it? What are we gonna do different next time to make it better?
1: So to me, I love that. I also went nostalgic when you talked about John Locke. Mm. I was in research initially, and then we had some changes in the research department. Jeff Lawson was out for extended period of time for knee surgery, and the two other leaders had moved departments or team. So I was reporting to John Locke and my performance appraisal was already one month delayed because of all these transitions. And I'm thinking, wow, now I'll work for a new boss. He's not in research. He doesn't know anything, which means it's only fair that he'll say, oh, let's start fresh and then we'll consider what kind of rewards to give you. John Locke and myself, we sat and John looked at me day one and said, hey, I was the person that was available to take this lead and I only took this because I know that you are in the team. I'm going to promote you not because or what you have done, but what you will do. So don't let me down. You know, wow. I felt like the movie 300, like that day and even after I would do anything for John Locke after that, because to me, that was such an amazing leadership lesson because John Locke had every reason, very justifiable, to delay my promotion, which was promised to me by the organization, because things happen in an organization. But John Locke, as you said, was the leader who took the step to show me that in our, you know, in life, you always have to step up and take, you know, believe in people. And that was the ultimate belief that he said, you know, we lost him last year and, you know, but his memories and his teachings and leadership, like forever, I will cherish. And the attitude that he always had, the smile on his face, calm, always like, you know. I really feel that these are a few people I miss. I just wish I could interview them in my podcast is John Locke and Trey Hall. So those have been two big losses. So, but again, we we're fortunate to have them in our lives.
0: I agree with you on both cases. And and I knew Trey back at grad school at Northwestern uh, is where I met him um, and he and Anne. And, uh, that was before they had uh, their first child, and uh, imagine juggling grad school at a challenging program like Northwestern and being newly married, and, and then she was pregnant. Uh, uh, and, and just always uh, a smile, always a joke, always a positive, encouraging word from, from both of them. And so, yes, uh, we were very um, privileged to work with both Trey Hall. Uh, and John Locke and um, their memories uh, continue to live on and their words continue to live on um, and the feelings they've left me continue to live on as as you can tell when you talk about them. Absolutely.
1: So Mark, you have been working on a book and now you're very committed to bring it to daylight rapidly. So tell us a little bit about the book. And also what I want to learn about the book is the world really doesn't need another book but the world really needs Mark Muir's book. So what is unique about Mark Greener's book
0: that we should all wait for and start a countdown for his launch? Well, that's a great question. Very, very uh, profound question and, and one that I have thought a lot about. And as you can tell uh, from just our brief discussion so far this morning is that uh, I've, I've been blessed with a lot of great experiences, a lot of great brands um, and a ton of wonderful leaders and mentors. and. I feel like it would be criminal if i just um you know took that uh, to my grave and and uh you know um what i've done is i've worked on my own personal brand so as a marketer um and a brand builder i think it's just, it's important that you start with yourself and i've created my own personal brand mission statement which is i don't want to just make money and retire i want to make a difference and inspire and by making a difference it means Making a difference in the lives of others and helping them along their growth journey, and then likewise getting them to do the same to help others. And so, I've I've created this um, unique model that I have been working on for the last probably several years. Um, And I'll tell you where the epiphany came from. When I was president and chief concept officer at Mimi's Cafe, we were owned by Bob Evans um, restaurants, or Bob Evans Inc. at the time, and I was recruited from the Cheesecake Factory to help turn around a brand that had double-digit negative sales and was also given the title chief concept officer because they wanted to create a new concept that they would put capital behind. So. I was working with our team and every day I had this idea of the rule of threes. And I said, okay, if we uh, have outstanding leadership up and down and sideways, if we engage people's heart, head, hands, and habits, and if we hold people accountable in a performance driven world, and we were publicly traded at that con- at that time, we're going to be successful. And that was my mantra, leadership, engagement, accountability. And we drove uh, the brand to positive sales and we put a concept In the ground that was so attractive that instead of the Bob Evans board deciding to put capital behind it to help it grow, they decided to sell it. And so that was one of those disappointing times when a new company comes in and says, we'll take it from here. Well, I never saw leadership engagement and accountability as Lee, it was just those three things. And I believed in this thing called the rule of threes. Well, I've now come to know there's something called a higher power of force. And so I go uh, uh, out the door the next day after uh, being exited from that leadership role by the new owners who came in and cleaned house and said, we'll take it from here. And I remember taking the dog out um, and we lived in uh, Southern California at the time and it was late February. and and. Anyone who's been there knows that's about the start of spring. Well, we had a big tree in the backyard, and it was barren from the few weeks of winter, and, but there on the end of one little twig, as the sun was coming over the wall, was a little glisten of green, and at that point, I got an epiphany. It said, that's what's missing, fulfillment, and this idea of leaf as a not only a growth metaphor that as I've studied a little bit of uh, evolutionary biology and understand how plants are grown and the leaf plays an incredibly powerful role in the photosynthesis that allows any plant to fulfill its purpose. I went straight into my office and Mm -hmm. I said I've got it and I came up with this metaphor of growth around a leaf but it was also a acronym which stands for purposeful leadership, purposeful engagement, purposeful accountability, and purposeful fulfillment, which if you think about a Venn diagram or even a four-leaf clover, if you look at it really closely, you'll see four intertwined circles with purpose at the center. And the idea of the book, Arjun, is not just a book, it is designed to be uh, one of many different ventures from speaking, consulting, to e-learning. And the idea is that hopefully once you read the book, you'll want to take a self purposeful self-assessment and find out where you stand. So much like a Myers-Briggs or a DISC or a Strength Finders, you'll see where your personal professional growth opportunities lie. And you may be uh, inclined then to uh, want to go deeper um, into each of these areas that um, will also be Uh, ways for you not only to grow personally, but to help others along their growth journey, As I plan to donate a portion of the proceeds to four different charities linked to each one of those letters. So leadership would be uh, big brothers, big sisters. Uh, Engagement would be Habitat for Humanity. Accountability would be uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or some other substance abuse a care facility, and then fulfillment would be no kid hungry. And if you think about the common denominator among each of those four are children, the most vulnerable among us. So not only do I plan to enrich the reader, and uh, hopefully they will also be able to feel good about giving back to people they'll never meet or never know, but feel like they're also continuing this virtuous cycle of reciprocity. So is it a book on leadership? Yes. Is it a book on business? Yes. Is it a book on personal growth? Yes. But it's about curating all of my experiences personally, best practices, uh, learning from those I admire, as well as uh, curating uh, content from subject matter experts who are much more learned and smarter than me and packaging it in a way that people can find their purpose and fulfill their true growth potential. Love that and looking forward to the launch of the book,
1: of course, it would be a great message, so Mark, now let's totally change the subject, you have had a very successful career and amazing days are ahead, if you walked into a coffee shop or a bar and you met Mark Mears, 16 year old, of course Mark today and Mark 100 years old, hmm, what would the conversation between three Marks look like?
0: well it probably would be a bar versus a coffee shop um but no i'm kidding um i i, I uh i think mark at 16 i remember a young mark i grew up in wichita kansas and on the west side and that means nothing for most of the free world but for those who live in wichita and you did for a time know there is a difference between west and east side um and and i remember uh having this wide-eyed curiosity about the world and yet Uh, I'd really never traveled anywhere, but I had this yearning to want to learn and a curiosity to ask the question behind the question so that I could soak up as much as possible and figure out where do I want to go in in life. And at first I thought I wanted to be a lawyer and I went to the University of Kansas with the uh, idea that I was going to become a lawyer and because you can't major in pre-law. Uh, I asked people, what would be good preparation for law school? Again, there's that curiosity. And they said, well, you're going to do a lot of reading, writing, critical thinking, presenting. Um, And I thought, "Okay, great. They said, well, have you thought about the School of Journalism? And they do a lot of that. And it's one of the top schools of journalism in the country. I thought, "Okay, great. So I got into that and then uh, had a professor, Dr. Uh, Tim Bengston, uh, who just made a profound impact on my life. And as I got to become a senior, he said, hey, have you really, are you sure you want to be a lawyer? You you got some talent in this area. Do you you think maybe you'd consider graduate school? And we'd built up a relationship where he was truly a mentor of mine. And he had uh, said, well, Northwestern is where they teach it the best. And I think you could get a lot of value out of that. So the the young Mark Mears being full wide-eyed curiosity and uh, again, patterns and possibilities Took a risk to go into a new and different area. So Mark now would say, I'm kind of in the, if I went from the curiosity stage at age 16, I'm, I'm probably in the enlightenment stage at where I'm at now in my career. Um, I've, I've, I don't know at all because I, I, I look at uh, uh, Michelangelo, speaking of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but the real Michelangelo apparently wrote on a drawing the words and Cora. Imparo, which means I am still learning. And he wrote them at age 87, a year before his death. So I feel like I'm still learning. So if I'm in the fulfillment stage now, when I get to be 100, I hope I'm or in the enlightenment stage. I hope when I'm 100, I'm in the fulfillment stage, which means like a sponge, I've soaked up as much as I possibly can. And now I've squeezed it out for the benefit of others. And I've fulfilled the purpose that was instilled in me and, 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 you know, hopefully we'll also share a bunch of laughs along the way, because I certainly um, have made a ton of mistakes and age 16 Mark made a lot of them and age whatever I am today has made a lot of them and I'm sure I'll make many more but uh, you just learn from uh, those uh, mistakes again they're not failures unless they're final and it's never final and the worst thing is never the last thing. I love that. And for me,
1: if there were three arches, they would meet at a golf course. And Arjun, hundred, right <laughs> like away, would argue how many strokes he gets over the other two arches. Right away, so. So, Mark, this was a fascinating conversation. Okay, anything that we haven't talked about that you want to share with our listeners?
0: Well, I we we've, we've covered a lot of ground this morning, and uh, I, I really again think that um, for those listening. I just implore you to take time out and truly try to discover your purpose. And I'll spend a lot of time, uh, the, the, the front section of the book on cultivating growth, talking about how one can find their purpose, because from that, everything else emanates. And that's what you're going to want to do to make sure that you're aligned with your professional growth. Um, you know, there are people that uh, may be really interested in uh, climate change and whatnot um, and, and maybe that working for an oil company is not the best fit for them as an example. So being able to align your God-given purpose with your vocation uh, and other ways that you can make a difference in the world would be um, uh, some some final words of advice that I would leave to anybody. and it doesn't matter if you work in the restaurant industry or you're in the tech, business or financial services or any any business, we're all human beings. Until the robots or zombies or both come and take us away, we are all human beings and we are all endowed with a purpose uh, that is beyond merely making a living and taking care of our basic needs. It's also about fulfilling our purpose and helping others along their journey do likewise.
1: So Mark, this is such a fascinating discussion. And to me, the big thing I just am taking for this conversation is seeing beyond. In any situation, it's very easy to find a solution and it often becomes a mediocre solution to start with, but only when you work focus on making the functional lid of Rocketeer will mm-hmm. that may not have been one of the biggest blockbuster, but still the property, using the property, you're creating a cup and a lid when a little kid or a kid at heart holds it. It inspires him even after 30 years, it's something big. Well, thank you. And on that note, I also want to share a little personal experience, you know, being in Houston. Yesterday, I was fortunate to golf at Memorial Golf Course where the Houston Open will happen soon. All the stands were up, and on the 18th hole, I was getting little, you know, beyond myself, getting excited. And my three buddies who I was playing with by singarjun, they are just putting the stands, they are not for us. I took pictures for them taking the hit in a shot, and I also had a picture of me taken. And then I told them, guys, I know the stands do not have people in them, but I'm still playing to a stand. And that I think is very important because we all need to see the potential of what we are doing. And that I really think inspires us to win big. So thank you, Mark Mears, truly appreciate you taking the time, wish you the very best. Thank you for being an amazing friend and an inspiration to me personally, thank you.
0: Uh, Thank you, Arjun, I assure you the pleasure is all mine and uh, an honor to be with you today. You've been listening to Secrets to Win Big with Arjun Sen, founder and CEO of Zen Mango, top brand growth driver and a former Fortune 500 executive who has been called one of the most marketing intelligent minds in the business. To learn more, visit www.zenmango.com. Share this podcast with your friends and subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts.